0: All right, everyone. Well, once again, welcome. What a wonderful morning. Hey, wasn't that great? I just, what, I, just I, I get so excited about what God is doing as He continues to, to add to our team, to, to, to prepare us for what He wants for us. And, and again, for those of you who are new here, um, we have a purpose here at Life Church. And our purpose does anybody want to tell me what the purpose is? What is it? Nail it, Larisha! We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. That is our heart. That is our passion. That is our mandate. That is our drive. That is what we believe God has called us to do. Because quite frankly, life church, we don't save people. We can't come up with a good enough system to to, to, to free people. But we serve a God who can save. Amen. And we know a God who has the way and has made a way for us and has made a way for people to come to him today. And so this morning we've been um, going through a series called A Walk with Jesus, and we've spent five weeks talking about a relationship with Jesus and exploring the idea of a relationship with Jesus through the five senses. And we went through uh, the different senses, the, the sense of smell, the sense of uh, sense of taste, the, the sense of touch. We talked about the sense of sight, and we talked about the sense of hearing. You know, what does God's voice sound like? It sounds like what he wrote, right? We talked about that. And we talked about these ideas of connecting to Jesus, and we, we kind of put the, 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 the sermon series through the lens of Philippians chapter 3. And if I were just, it's up there, but I'm just going to paraphrase. I'm going I'm to drop it down to verse 10, where Paul says this, that, sorry, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. And that's, that's the cry of our heart. That's what we're after. How can we know Jesus in such a way that we can represent him to the world around us? Amen? And you know, you can, you can know somebody. How many of you can know people and you can represent them to the world around you? If you get to know somebody really well, you can start to sound like them. You can take on the cadence and rhythm of their speech. You can begin to, to sound like the way that they would say it. Oh, this is how they would say this. This is how they would do this. And, and this morning, what I felt the Holy Spirit leading on my heart to do is, is to continue this series and kind of riff off of it and explore a little bit deeper the personality of Jesus Christ. If we could say, well, that's just like what Jesus would do, wouldn't that help us then to reflect him better in the world around us? And so we're going to be exploring some of the stories surrounding Jesus over the next few weeks as we lead up to Easter We're going to be exploring a few of the stories. We're actually releasing a few other people to speak on this subject. So um, next week, you're going to get to hear from Pastor Mike. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we got Elio DeLima who's going to be speaking one day. It's going to be incredible. We're starting to release some new preachers. Come on, this is good. But today, you get to hear from me. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John. We're going to read our text today. I'm going to make some comments about our subject Today, and then we're going to address the text at the end of those comments. And I've got simply three thoughts for you today. Y'all with me? Okay, here we go. John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in the act of adultery. And when they had set her uh, in their midst, They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something in which to accuse him. But Jesus, he's smarter than that. He stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So they continued asking him, And he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman! Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This morning, church, we're going to be talking about the subject of his compassion. Of his compassion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that your word promises that where two or three are gathered. There I am also in their midst. And so, Lord God, we know that you are here with us now. And we pray that as the word of God goes forth, God, it would not return void, but it would would accomplish what it is set out to do. God, I pray that you would use these lips of mine, Lord God, to speak your word with authority and anointing, Lord Jesus, that will go deep into our hearts. And I pray that not one person would leave this place the, uh, the same, but we would all be changed by your word and by your presence this morning. We ask these things now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. So this morning we are talking about Jesus through his compassion. And when we talk about the idea of compassion, there are a number of different places throughout the Gospels where it highlights the fact that Jesus felt compassion towards people. And whenever you think of the word compassion, I want you to think about the word action. Somebody say action compassion leads throughout the scriptures to action this is uh, a kind of uh, a, a rhythmic uh, or pardon me this is echoed through the idea from Merriam Webster's dictionary where it defines compassion as sympathetic consciousness of others distress together with the desire to alleviate it and i'm going to read that again sympathetic consciousness of others distress together with the desire to alleviate it. And one of the ways to understand this idea of compassion is to contrast it with the idea of empathy. Now, although compassion and empathy both refer to a caring response to someone else's distress, empathy refers to an active sharing of an emotion in, in another person. Whereas compassion adds to that emotional experience a desire to alleviate the person's distress. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Um, I'm, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have my wife just stand here. She's not going to do any acting. She's not going to do anything. She's just going to stand right here for just a moment, okay? So let's imagine for a moment that my wife has just had the workout of her life. And, and today was leg day, okay, and she went hard at the gym, and her legs are just like rubber, and I say, hey, Ton, could you come up on the stage with me and just help share something, and she gets to the stage, and she's like, oh, man, my legs are hurting so bad. I just, oh, man, it hurts right here, and it hurts right here, and it hurts down here, and I'm up here going, oh, babe, so it hurts here, and it hurts here, and it hurts down here. Yeah, I feel that, babe. I feel that. All right, we'll try and come up on the stage. And she's like, uh, 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 trying to get her legs up here. And I just stand here going, babe, I feel that, honey. I feel that. That's called empathy. How many know that I am not going to be in good books when I get home with empathy? right? I'm in trouble. But compassion is, oh, it hurts here. It hurts here. It hurts here. Give me your hand. Let's go. That's the picture. You can go sit down, babe. Thank you. That's the picture. Give her a hand, guys. That's a picture of compassion. It's not just understanding or empathizing with somebody's pain, but it's stepping out to do something about it. And whenever the Bible mentions that Jesus had compassion throughout the Gospels, it's always followed up with some sort of action or a call to action. Because compassion is not simply empathy or caring for others' feelings, but it's also having a desire and a willingness to step in and do something about it. Okay, so let me give you some examples of what this looked like in Jesus' ministry. In in Matthew, I'm not going to read all these passages in the interest of time, so you are welcome to write them down and then take them home with you. Matthew 9. 35 through 38, Jesus has compassion. He's ministering to the multitudes. And then he says, when he saw, I'm going to read this one, the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. And so then he turned to his disciples and said, truly the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. In other words, there was um, there was uh, chaos. There was um, uh, uh, just randomness as people were walking around and they were feeling lost. And he could see this. And he said, listen, we got to do something about it let's pray that god will send people and shepherds into this group so that they can have leaders to help them to know how to how to live their lives so jesus compassion led to prayer for purpose and direction for lost souls in matthew twenty thirty four and mark 1 41 it says that he has compassion on somebody and then he touched them and they were healed so in that sense jesus compassion the action was healing in Matthew 15, 32, um, Jesus, w- w- this is, we read this story a few weeks back, where Jesus um, is out in the wilderness with over 5,000 men and maybe about 15,000 people, and he sees them that they're hungry, and he has compassion on them. The Bible says he's moved with compassion for them. I have compassion on the multitude. And because of that, hunger was satisfied, right? So there was compassion that led to action in in um. Luke chapter 7, verse 11, there's a story of a woman that is in a funeral procession, and she is a widow, and her, her son is the actual one in the coffin. And they're walking through the streets with this son who is dead in the coffin. And the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on her and on them. And so he went up to the son, and he spoke to him, and the son was raised from the dead. So in this case, the Jesus' compassion led to death being defeated. One of my favorite passages about this is in, uh, again, we read it at the very beginning, Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. When the Bible says that Jesus, our Savior, has compassion, he is moved to action. Yes? Are you with me? This is our God. This is our Savior. That sounds just like Jesus. Doesn't it? That sounds just like Jesus. And now we come to the story that we read earlier today. And although the story that we read doesn't mention the word compassion, we can see his compassion in action with the way that he responds to this woman. Now let's just review briefly here. Remember what has happened. There is a woman who has been caught in the very act of adultery. The Pharisees find this woman, and their first thought is, Aha! Now we've got him. And they take this woman, and they drag her out in front of Jesus, and they throw her down at his feet. And the Savior of the world is standing above this woman, who, under the law of that day, should have been condemned to die. Now, Jesus, who had been coming and preaching that he was preaching a new 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 message, that he had come to bring the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, and, and he was preaching this, this word that was that was different from what the Pharisees knew. They're like, how is he going to interact with this situation? Because the law is very clear. And the Bible says that Jesus sees the woman, kneels down, and begins to draw in the dust the men start to get anxious and angry and come on you know what to do teacher tell us what to do tell us what we should do and Jesus looks up and at this point we don't know if he's addressed this woman at all if he's looked at her it doesn't say that he has but he addresses the men that are surrounding her and he says something so profound he says the one without sin you cast the first stone And that word must have gone deep, directly into their hearts. And they began to feel the conviction of their sin and the weight of that. And their their conscience began to bother them. And the Bible tells us that starting with the oldest and all the way down, they dropped their stones and walked away. And so there was a woman who was tattered and broken and shamed, horrified, expecting the worst at the feet of Jesus. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? She looks around. That there are none. And Jesus, the only one who had the right in that moment, because the Bible tells us that he was tempted in all things, yet without sin, the only one who had the right at that moment to fulfill that law based on that standard, said, neither do I condemn you. And then he says this is something that is so powerful that tells us a little bit of insight, gives a little bit of insight into what this compassion actually looks like. And he says this, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I want to tell you this morning, church, there's three things that I pick up about Jesus' compassion from this story this morning. I'm going to share them with you right now. Are you with me? Okay, number one. Here's the first thing. Jesus' compassion reveals a motivation to forgive and restore, not a motivation to condemn. When the Pharisees brought the woman to Jesus, it was like they were giddy with the prospect that they might be able to pick up a rock and throw it at her. Oh, we did it. We caught somebody in the very act. Now we have a right to do something about it because they felt that their role was to find sinners and punish them. That was what they felt that they were there to do. We are the upholders of the law. We are here to make sure that it's carried through. And so they were practically like, Ah, yes, finally, we get a chance. We caught somebody right there. There's no getting away with it. You were caught red-handed. We got you. You are done, kaput, over. It is finished. But here's what we hear about Jesus John 3 verse 17 tells us, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Church, he is the only faultless judge. He is the only one who has the opportunity in that moment to rightfully throw that stone, and yet he chooses to have compassion to forgive and to restore this woman. And I don't know where you're at today in your life. I don't know where you're coming from, but maybe you've come here today feeling so weighted down by condemnation. There's no getting away with it. It happened. I made a mistake. I messed up. Whatever that thing might be. And I want to tell you today about our Savior who is moved with compassion. And when he had the opportunity to condemn and to tear down, he took that moment to restore. And one of my favorite sayings that you'll hear me say all the time is that God's glory is revealed in restoration. Not in how well he condemns and pushes down. But we see his glory in the way that he restores sinners back to righteousness. The Bible tells us that he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. This is good news. This means that even if we come in today like this woman and we were caught red-handed, it is done, we, we messed up, we lied, whatever it is that we did, Jesus is there to forgive and restore. Amen? Now, I think the early church fathers might have gotten nervous about this story because there was actually some controversy around the actual passage um, because some might have thought there's too much grace here. Here's the second thing we understand about Jesus' compassion, and it's with that powerful statement that he makes at the end, and that is this. Jesus' compassion was intolerant. You're like, huh? Jesus' compassion should not be confused with tolerance. In fact, it seems to be the opposite of tolerance in that Jesus would not tolerate sickness when he had compassion. Jesus would not tolerate confusion and chaos when he had compassion. Jesus would not tolerate hunger when he had compassion. He would not tolerate death. And in the case of the woman caught in the act of adultery, he was not tolerating adultery. John chapter 8 verse 11 says this, and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And I think the person who says this the most beautifully of anybody that I studied was William Barclay. And so I want to read you this quote from him regarding this moment, because I think it is so powerful for us today. Jesus confronted this woman with the challenge of a sinless life. He did not say, it's all right don't worry, just go on doing what you're doing. He said, it's all wrong. Now go out and fight. Change your life from top to bottom and go and sin no more. Here was no easy forgiveness. Here was a challenge which pointed a sinner to heights of goodness which she had never dreamed. Jesus confronts the bad life with the challenge of the good. See, not only does God Jesus, restore righteousness, but he challenges her to go out and and step up and become a better version of herself. This is also the gospel, that God can save you, that God can heal you, that God can restore you, and that God can set your feet on a path that you had never even imagined. Come on, he is a restorer That's who our God is, and his glory is revealed in restoration. Did you hear that, church? Amen. Amen. And now, number three. I told you this was going to be a quick message. You guys are doing great. Here's the last thing. Jesus' compassion communicates to us that there is hope. There's hope. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you've been through. There is hope. Always hope. When there is Jesus. Let's take the example from earlier. There's that, the, 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 in Mark and Matthew, it's kind of a similar story where there's, there's people that are blind, okay? And, and so the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on them, touched them, and they were healed. Well, blindness in that day was akin to probably a curse being placed over somebody. I mean, the way that the, that the people would treat him in those days or that person in those days would have been as a cursed person. The question would have been, what has this person or their parents done to 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 have this uh, curse put upon them and so for them to be able to survive just scrape out a living they basically had to beg for everything that they could get so their financial position at that place would have been deplorable and some might say well listen they've been living that way for that long let's just leave them that way but not jesus his compassion moves him to action, and there is saving, and there is healing, and, and these people are restored. And what he's telling them is, there is hope for your life. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter your financial position. It doesn't matter what you've been facing in your life. It doesn't matter the, the words that have been spoken over you. I have hope for you. And that's a word for somebody here today. Lamentations 3.21 says this, this I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercy we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. Come on, church, it's not over. I don't know where you come, at, to come here this morning from. I don't know what you're facing in your life. But the word of the Lord for you today is it is not over because we serve the Savior of the universe. It is not over because Jesus is here. Because he is compassionate towards you. And he is willing to take action if you would just reach out towards him and respond in faith. Are you stuck in a mistake? Are you stuck in a moment? Jesus' compassion tells us that we should not give up. Galatians 6.9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1, 8 and 9 says, Therefore, we have this ministry as we have received mercy. We do not lose heart. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Church, as long as there is Jesus, there is hope. Amen? As long as there is Jesus, there is hope. We serve a God of compassion. And as I conclude the message this morning, I'm going to end off with a thought. See if we can tie it together here. This is the thought. Jesus' compassion... Was revealed in grace and truth. And here's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses. Remember the law? Throw the stones. Right? Was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Remember grace and truth? I don't condemn you. It's grace. Now don't go don't do it again. Truth. Right? That's how Jesus ministered to her. Now listen to this. Jesus came ministering full of grace and truth. The only people he seemed to have a problem with were people who claimed their own righteousness. Remember the rich young ruler? Oh, I've got that all figured out. I can do that. Really? Okay. What about the Pharisees? Oh, you're like whitewashed tombs, he says to them. You think you've got this all figured out? That's not okay. That's a problem. But listen to this. But to the lost, the broken, the sinful, the shamed, and the hurting, he was compassionate. Jesus' compassion revealed itself in healing, in people being raised from the dead, in people being fed and nourishment, nourished, in forgiveness, and in a second chance. You say, what do I need to do to receive this compassion today? What you need to do is come to him in humility. And say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you, Jesus. Would you please be compassionate to me? And if we confess our sins, the Bible tells us he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What you don't want to do is come to him and say, God, I think I got this all figured out. I think I got this down. Look, I'm wearing the clothes today. I'm in the church today. Look, I'm sitting here in this row, and I, you know, look at me. This is awesome. So, God, if you want to just, like, throw a little bit extra on me, I'm cool with that today. That's not the heart. The heart is Jesus. Here I am, broken, hurting, real, authentically in need of you. Would you come? And he was moved with compassion and was propelled to action. Amen. Ton, do you want to come pray for us?
1: This is such a powerful word, and as I was sitting there, it's... It's. There are people here that need this ready to feel it in my spirit. You need to know the compassion of your Heavenly Father. You need to feel the compassion of your Heavenly Father. In your very being, know it. And then you need to receive it let his grace wash over you and then let him speak truth into your situation let him speak truth and then there's an obedience that needs to follow he's so good he's so kind it's his kindness that leads to our repentance but then we do have responsibility. Lord, I'm sorry. I confess this to you. Would you forgive me? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He will. Then, go and sin no more. Then you need to take a hard look at your life. You need to take a hard look and say, Holy Spirit, Shine your light into this. What do I need to do? He will speak. He will show. You know. Chances are, you know what is what needs to be done. What needs to be altered in your life? What you need to change. Obedience follows. He acts with compassion. I love that. I love that revelation of like his compassion. It. it It results in an action. And then I want to add that our obedience to him, our confession then then leads to obedience. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to change this way that I've been living. I want to live different. So I just want you, just where you're sitting right now, just to close your eyes. We're just going to respond to this word. And if you are really feeling this word, you can just reach out your hand and say, Lord, here I am. I receive your compassion. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every single person that is here. Those that are listening online, Lord Jesus. God, may we know, really know the compassion of our Heavenly Father. Father, we come to you, and we confess our sins this morning, Lord Jesus. We confess those things that we have done, Lord Jesus, that are not right, that are not are not the way we are supposed to live, Lord Jesus. Our sins, we know what they are. It may be attitudes. It might be gossip. It might be lying. It might be cheating. It might be, I don't know, it, there's so many things. Wrong attitudes that we're allowing to creep into our lives. Negativity. Letting the spirit of negativity come in. Complaining. Lord God, we just, we confess our dirtiness, our sin before you. Jesus, thank you that you promise that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us. And then you are moved to compassion. Lord, today, Father, I pray that your people would receive the compassion, receive your goodness, receive your kindness to them. When we come with repentance, you respond. And Father, I pray that we would be a people. I ask that we would be a people, Lord Jesus, that would then turn, after we repented, and turn from our wicked ways, and turn from the sin in our lives. And I pray that this morning, even Lord Jesus, would be a marked moment in our lives, Lord Jesus, would be like, Lord, I do not want to continue in this way. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace unmerited favor. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And now, desire to do what is right father i pray that you would stir a desire in us father to turn to change father now we cannot do that on our own because we're not that good (laughs) so father would you help us holy spirit our helper because we need you to turn we need you to change the wickedness and the sin in our lives we need you lord jesus So, Father, I ask for humbling in our hearts of Jesus, and we reach out to you, Lord Jesus, because we need you. And I know, I know, I firmly believe, Father, that you will come and you will walk with us and you will help us, and Holy Spirit will remind us, uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. This is dangerous. Step away. Oh, that conversation's gonna lead nowhere. Oh, that temptation there, that's gonna, that's gonna open a door. We need to shut it down right now. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that speaks. Help us to be so sensitive. This is living the life with you alongside. You're our helper. You want the best for us. And we can respond to that. So I pray, Father, for change, Father. We ask that you would change us, Lord oh God. Thank you for your compassion that fails not. Thank you for your grace. And Father, we come right now as your children but we want to commit to live lives worthy. Live lives worthy of this love that you give to us and the grace of you. Continually bestow upon us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May this be a marked moment in Jesus' name. May this be a marked moment this morning. Just like the woman caught in the act of adultery, Lord God. And then Jesus said, Go. You're forgiven. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now, here in this place, online, Father, that people would hear that. You are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word that is living and active, that speaks into our situations right now, stories from years and years and years ago that can be applied to our lives today. How awesome is that? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to us this morning. Now we want to receive that. Work that out in our lives, Lord Jesus, this message. Thank you, Lord God. I pray that you would go with your people today, this week, into their workplaces, into their neighborhoods, into their family situations, into their relationships, Lord God. And you would go and be close and near. And may we be sensitive to you guiding us today and tomorrow and through this week. Bless your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen.